Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your host, Quinton Pools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, I'm here with my friend Hunter Hall. Uh, Hunter's a teen pactor from Florida who's uh, now really, really old in teen packed years and uh, now lives out in Colorado. So Hunter, if you want to say hey and uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, sure thing. Uh, Quinn, yeah, just like you said, I got involved with teen pact in Florida. I've been in Colorado for just over three years now. I moved out here right after college. I moved out here to join a team that was planting a church. I was, uh, I knew by that point exiting college that I was, I felt called to be a worship leader and we can definitely talk more about what it means to feel called. Cause I don't know, that's kind of ambiguous, but, uh, but I moved out to Colorado and connected with a church planter and, uh, have still been a part of journey point church since then. That's been a fun ride in leadership, learning new things as well as finding value in things that I had learned in teen packs and in other spheres, but, uh, that's where I am now. I, I actually work another full-time job in IT and, uh, serve part-time as the worship director at journey point. Cause that's just, you know, it doesn't take a ton of time right now. We're a growing church and, uh, so that's where my time goes right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And we really appreciate the, the skill that you bring, especially in the area of leading worship. It's something that you've invested not just during your time as a young leader in Teen Pact, but then as a kind of maturing leader beyond the Teen Pact years, you've come back and helped with national convention um, year after year, uh, helping us uh, craft not only the the set list and music that that goes with that, but also a lot of the training that's been developed for our young leaders, for interns and staff and students that participate in, um, in, in kind of orchestrating what we do at national convention. And so for those of you who are listening, if you haven't, uh, been in touch with national convention, the last number of years, it's grown to be, um, about a thousand people at Lee university in Tennessee. And so, uh, orchestrating multiple, uh, worship mornings and evenings, you know, every day is, is a pretty big thing and it takes months of planning and execution. And so Hunter heads up that team over the last number of years. So Hunter, I just want to say on behalf of everyone that's been at National Convention for those uh, week-long events, uh, thank you. Uh, You've been an incredible asset and leader. Um, But I really want to get into um, talking about how, you know, when you're in Teen Pact, um, this this growth mindset is so uh, intrinsic to everything that we do. As students, you know, you're encouraged to step outside of your comfort zone and run for office and, you know, read your bill and all these things. And then there's this leadership ladder where you can staff and potentially intern and program direct. And so you're always kind of, you're working on feedback and growth and just learning new things and expanding your, you know, your prospects and all this kind of stuff. But then after Teen Pact, I see some people who, um, who don't continue that journey who um, kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe maybe they've learned enough and they're happy to slot into something other than a, a growing leader. And and so what why you came to mind was because you're somebody who is constantly kind of pushing yourself to to not stop growing. And I've seen that in 
the ways that you pursue education, the ways that you're, you know, reading new things, that you're studying new things, you're having certain conversations with people, you're, uh, you're pushing your body physically through some of the stuff that you do uh, on mountains out in Colorado. Um, and so I kind of want to get into that kind of your journey of, of kind of being a young adult who, who takes leadership seriously and takes growth seriously. And so kind of start us out, you know, kind of describing maybe those post teen packed years, like what did that look like? What were some of the decisions that you started to make that kind of set up um, where you are today? Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to talk about it and excited to talk about it. Um, my last year at state classes in Teen Pact, well, until I state coordinated briefly, but uh, my last year was 2016. I was a program director. And then I went off to be a freshman at college, which can be kind of a, a jarring experience. I guess it's just like middle school to high school or any high school to college where you're a senior, then you're a freshman again. But um I did look for opportunities to continue to lead. Um, I went to Liberty University, which has a lot of team factors have ended up doing that too, and had a great experience there. Um, I, I always say I don't have to be the one leading if there's already a good leader, but I, at the risk of sounding too proud, I found myself being in a lot of situations where there needed to be better leaders, and so I was willing to try to be that better leader um, that both got things done and cared about people. And uh, at Liberty, I got to do that as what they call a resident shepherd, which I'm sure some listeners will be familiar with, but uh, is not a, is different than like a resident assistant RA. Um, And there got to invest in students by talking about Jesus, talking about rhythms of life, talking about the importance of disciplines and waking up and, and taking a breath and thanking God for that breath. Um, and, uh, I did get to lead through college and then came out here to Colorado kind of with it, with leader in the title, (laughs) you know, worship leader. Um, and, uh, but, through college, through Teen Pack, through college, coming into that worship leader role, what I had learned was that leaders don't just make decisions. The best leaders help other people make decisions and empower other people to make decisions and um, and develop people. Like the best leader is a leader developer. Uh, since being out here at Journey Point, um, our, our lead pastor is... Uh, an incredible leadership develop leader developer <laughs> leadership development guy and um, we've he's exposed me to many situations where I, I've had to grow and develop and I'm I'm I think that the greatest piece that has helped me grow as a leader has been being around other good leaders who wanted to help me grow as a leader and now I try to be that to other people and, and one of the gr- biggest expressions that where I get to do that is national convention. That's why I've come back for, I think six years in that role, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's, it's still sometimes feel going back to national convention feels like home in a lot of ways. I love it, Quinn. But, um, so thanks for letting me do that. You're in and you're out. Yeah, (laughs) of course. uh, There I see people at the stage that I was 
really recently in the grand scheme of things, just a couple years ago. And I can coach leaders with the skills that, that I've developed over the past years, which, which are musical and, and spiritual in nature. When you're pointing other people to, to, uh, to Jesus and you're on stage and you're using scripture and you're singing these songs and you're building these set lists. And so specific to worship ministry areas, I feel like I enjoy coming back to national convention because it's where I get to help develop more leaders. Mm-hmm. And I know being in the church planting world in Colorado, that there is a desperate need for more of those types of leaders who are, are skillful, but also are willing to develop more because our strategy out here to reach people with the gospel. Um, and in, in Denver, 92% of people would not consider themselves Christians. So we're talking about like less than 10% of people having a relationship with Jesus. The strategy to make disciples is multiplication. It's not build one big church and, and then I'm going to get to lead worship on that stage, but it's actually uh, to develop many leaders and send them out to, to multiply churches. And then, um, you have two, four, eight, sixteen, and it, it gets a lot bigger faster. Um, and so that's I think leadership is important because it is obedient to making disciples like Jesus told us told us to. But yeah, hope hope that kind of dances around your question. At least. No, it, yeah, it, uh, yeah, the the invitation into the conversation is right there. So you know, for you, some of the key areas that you've you've developed over the last number of years have been in the area of music and in the area of spiritual uh, leadership, spiritual guidance for people. Um, I remember a conversation with my pastor several years ago where I had been leading worship on Sundays and he asked if I, you know, basically what about leading worship on a Sunday was most appealing to me? What did I most enjoy? Where did I feel like I was uniquely gifted in serving the church? And I talked a lot about how I like, I love thinking about how I can present different elements of the gospel, talking about sin and salvation and our final home in heaven and like the Lord's help with us right now. And I love like incorporating scripture and prayer. And, Mm -hmm. and he said, okay, so what you're enjoying is, is like the spiritual leadership and guidance part. He's like, where does, where does like leading the music line up for you? And I was like, mm, that's that's pretty low on the list. Like, I, I don't actually enjoy thinking about how five different uh, musical instruments and voices all work together. That's just that does not get me excited. If anything, that kind of stresses me out. I haven't done a ton of training in that area, and I, I don't feel like that's my particular bent and whatever. So what he had me do was he actually had me step down from that position of leading worship and instead started doing more teaching in other areas of the church. So with our youth and parent ministry and so forth, where I was able to apply that kind of God-given desire and, and skill set and start working on it and start kind of improving in that area. And for you, you have this unique kind of connection between those two things. But we saw some of that. I mean, even when you were coming up as a student leader in Teen Pact, you, you had some of those things already built up, some of those experiences and so forth. What was it that led you to do the degree that you did at Liberty and, and take the job working for the church, uh, out in Denver. Like what, what were some of those like discussions like, or thoughts that were going through your mind? Because it seems like you could have 
just kind of stopped at some point. But in in my view, you haven't stopped. You've continued to grow. Yeah. Good question. Um, I can't help but think of some of the unhealthy reasons why I, I wanted to pursue that because as a worship leader, you are on stage in front of people and you get off stage. And a lot of the times people are like, great job and, and good worship today. What, whatever that means. <laughs> good worship. Uh, <laughs> like good worship today. Right. And, uh, and there's definitely some unhealth coming up as a teenager who had, I think some musical ability that other people could appreciate. And, um, it took me a while to learn how to, how to respond to like, uh, in a healthy way. And, and, and that's been a long journey too. But, um, so to go through some of that, that story, I guess I began, I I'm definitely a musician first when you say like, you love this, that scriptural element of it. And I have a, I believe that is valuable too, but I, the way that God has uniquely wired me though is to think about the music and how that is moving people. Um, and so I, I started playing guitar when I was 13 and really quickly had a opportunity to play in a band um, with other musicians. So I, that aspect of being around people that are better than you, like I, I they were pulling me up <laughs> and I had to grow. And, uh, but I was just a guitarist and then I played more bass and I, I consider myself a bass player now, um, uh, where I was listening to different instruments and, and I w- began to learn that, that God has uniquely gifted us in different ways. And I believe that we honor him best when we are using those unique gifts specifically things that other people can't do now. That's less obvious for some people than for others. Like, I think that being a, a gifted musician is uh, you can learn that, that you can do that sooner than some other things, whether that's, I'm really good. I'm a good counselor. I'm good at listening to friends and, um, and demonstrating care. Like there's different skills, but anyways, I was a musician and uh, got to had opportunities in different youth groups to lead and coordinate. And uh, man, I definitely had to grow in the area of, um, uh, EQ, like emotional intelligence. <laughs> oh, dude, I remember making girls cry in, in high school because uh, <laughs> I was just focused on the music and I was like, Hey, um, that doesn't sound good. Maybe stick to the melody. <laughs> you know? And, and, and actually teen facts helped me to grow in understanding how to, how to not do that to people, especially, you know, vocalists, it's how your voice sounds. It, that can be really intimate. And, and it matters a lot to some people. Sure. Um, and then going into, so I did study music and worship at, at Liberty, and um, there were a few God things that pointed me there. Uh, one of them was that I did love doing it. I loved coordinating teams and uh, crafting sets that um, that uh, pointed people towards Jesus through music and cultivated an environment where people could encounter God and respond with obedience to God. And, um, and so that was one thing. Uh, and then others encouraged me in it too. And uh, that was how I think the core question I'm addressing right now is how do you identify that? And and I'll continue to use the word gift, um, something from God or how God has uniquely made you. How do you identify what that is? And, through other people was definitely one of those avenues. Uh, I did love doing it. And then the third 
God piece was that it, uh, it became the best option, uh, financially as well to go to Liberty, uh, and to study that. Cause I, if I didn't go to Liberty to study music and worship, I probably would have gone to, uh, UCF or FSU and studied something in the business or with numbers world. Um, but, uh, so that was kind of the last prayerful push towards Liberty to study that. And I was really grateful that I got to study music. It was what I wanted to do, but, um, I had some wise voices in my life, uh, that have been true about the, uh, music piece does not necessarily pay it back as far as college debt goes. And so that's another conversation for another time. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully again, dancing around your question, if you want to provide any more direction there, chase one of those things. Yeah. Around. Yeah. So, you know, a decision to, um, to, to work on your gift, to not, um, yeah. to not just stop, at, at the growth. Um, we both have read and enjoyed Kerry Newhoff's book at your best, yeah. wherein he talks about this idea of don't cheat your gift where oftentimes the thing that we are best at, we choose to give the least amount of time to, cause we can do it so efficiently and kind of off the side of the right. table. And, and he, he argues for how, no, 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 you should actually be investing in how to do that gifted thing really, yeah. really well. And so right. I want to kind of identify for people in your story where you already had a lot of these skills and experiences, but by choosing to do music and worship studies at Liberty, you were continuing to work on your gift. And, and so I, I guess I have a question now that you're kind of done with uh, undergrad and you're a couple years into kind of ministry and now IT work past college, do you start to get a sense of what continuing to grow and continuing to steward your gift looks like today? Like in this season of life, um, are there certain things that you're you're wanting to say yes to whether that's further education or further discipleship opportunities with your church or are there things that you're saying no to because you need to be focused on certain priorities kind of walk us through kind of the current season yeah that's good um the better you become at something the more opportunities will come your way to do that something or, or other things. That's just a part of getting older. Right. Um, especially in the United States where like we actually have a ton of options for what we can grow up and do. Like you're told you can do anything. And, <laughs> um, for me it, early on in, in how you were phrasing your question, I thought of something, um, I could have gone and studied something in business or, or whatever else, knowing that I could still serve in a church with the, how I had already developed my musical gift and, and that would be enough. And then I would also have this reliable income, but, um, that didn't seem to be honoring God with my gift, even as, as, as wise as that does sound like having that plan B for, for income. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little wary of someone like taking this, that idea to their parents and saying like, this guy said that I should, do this that will never pay me money instead of doing something, you know, that will. Um, 
but I, I am grateful. I didn't really know what I was choosing back then, but I'm really grateful that I got to continue investing in uh, that gift. And as you and I were talking kind of before we started recording, um, up to a certain point, I just said yes to everything because I loved doing it. Um, everything musical opportunity that I got. And I, I did have to chase some of those and audition and um, interview for some different things. In the past few years, though, out of college, I've learned that I cannot keep saying yes to everything because the opportunities multiply, something I'm, I'm hugely grateful for, uh, as well as kind of diversify. Uh, you, you referenced running at mountains earlier too, uh, which is something that I learned that I do love, but this summer have chosen not to do because something that I've yet to do in life that I, I, I I've wanted to do for years is make music and release that music and it sound really good and professional. And last year, instead of that, I decided to sign up for a 50 mile race and ran that instead. And <laughs> now I, I told my friends, I'm, I'm not a runner anymore because I am a musician. I want to continue to invest in that instead. And that's just an example of, of how our time is limited. And, um, I've learned that I, it's the right decision, I think, <laughs> to continue doing uh, musical things or chasing that gift, not cheating the gift, instead of diversifying. And that's that's hard when you have to start saying no to things, um, especially because when you didn't always have to say no to things, and then you do. It's a learned skill. It's hard, but um, definitely something I've learned recently, and am learning still. Yeah. And as I think about kind of those those years, right? So there's the there's the very formative coming out of high school, young adult years where some people are making the decision to go to college or not go to college, whether go to Christian school or do community college or just the state school or any number of options. Right. Um, you know, I have a couple of siblings, uh, a couple of brothers who have gotten into the trades where they're doing you know, maybe it's night school to become an electrician. And uh, from a money perspective, they're doing just as well, if not better than, you know, somebody else that's, you know, going the college route. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is in their lives where they continue to do sometimes the hard thing, uh, like doing night school, uh, when, yep. you know, you already have a full-time job, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it also seems like there's a what you're describing about this next season of life kind of after those those college and kind of younger adult years is that there's a there's a season of kind of, OK, maybe saying no to some things. Um, you know, for me, I was I was, you know, working full time for Teen Pact, part time for my church in a number of ministry contexts, I was taking seminary classes online. Like, you know, the list yeah. goes on and on, you know, you're doing this book study over here and that community group over there. And it's just like, it's crazy. And so my wife and I kind of came to the point where we, we started to kind of create this rhythm of probably every six months or so we'll sit down and kind of have the big reprioritization meeting where we'll just say, okay, what season are we in right now? Like, uh, w what what kind of things are we committed to? What kind of things do we want to prioritize? Like, you know, right now we've got 
a couple kiddos that are running around and it's crazy. And so if I'm staying at work till five, six, seven, eight, you know, if I push it too much, um, then, then I'm not home to help support with any of the, the, the raising of our children during the work week. And right. so right now we're even exploring, okay, what if I work eight to four instead of nine to five, does that give me more time with the kiddos in, in the late afternoon? Yeah. Is that a worthy, you know, trade-off or should I, you know, step down from this particular ministry opportunity or try to train somebody else up for a teen packed event so that they can, they can lead that thing so that I can be home with my family. And, and even beyond that, where I can be present with my church on Sundays, where I can be invested in the relationships in my own community. And so there's, there's, I, I guess I'm just seeing where like God takes us through different seasons and, and we're still growing like just because you're not going to college right now or doing the next degree um you're still growing and god is still doing a work in some ways it's it's a a deepening work yeah and it's more intentional and focused um but i will admit to you i there's something and maybe it's what you're describing uh about kind of the the more selfish allure of you know being on stage and kind of the the potential <laughs> that that has to to become an idol or something but um but for me like you know i i would love to keep going to school and get the next degree and you know not that i need something else on a linkedin bio or that i'm trying to get some sort of promotion at work but i i love the idea of learning i love the idea of improving some of my skills and knowledge in different areas but right now that's an area where my wife and I talked about it and we said, no, like that's, it's not worth pursuing the next degree, yeah. at least not right now in, in the season of our family, but being invested in teaching at our youth ministry and being invested in these different teen packed events and trainings, like that's totally a great place right. for our family right now. And so I, mean, I think, I think what, this is not my original idea, but to sum it up in a sentence, you're saying that every, every yes is a no to so many other things. If I say yes to, okay, to go back to my life situation, to a long run on a Saturday, that means I'm saying uh, no to where I, I could have either made some music since I talked about that earlier, or just rested and, and read a book and spent some time in reflection, which I'm, I'm, is increasingly important to me, like journaling and, and, and spending time with God uh, God in a way that like doesn't accomplish anything <laughs> where I spend time with God. And it's not like, maybe I didn't journal a page, but I was with God and I was restored and it's Sabbath. And, um, it took me a long time to understand that, that every yes was a no. Maybe, maybe the yes is just a no to your sleep <laughs> and then you're not sleeping enough and you're not performing or it, that probably becomes more obvious when you have a family, you know, I haven't had that experience yet. But um, it's more obvious that when you choose to put a little more time into work that uh, you give less time to your kids, less time to your wife. Really simple concept, but but an important thing to think about. Yeah, and I think that the saying no to something else, for those who are the type A overachieving types, um, that's particularly difficult because we think we can do it all. And, and I've tried to There's cheat sleep. Um, yeah, where I, I can average, there, there were certain seasons where I would average like 
you know, I don't know, five hours of sleep. And it's not because I have any sort of like sleep condition where I like can't fall asleep. It's just because I have, you know, homework until midnight or one. And then I have a coffee meeting at 630 in the morning. And then I'm trying to squeeze into my lunch break an audiobook that I'm trying, you know, it's like, I don't know if you can relate to that, but absolutely. But there's, um, there's a sense in which you think you can do it all. And those, those seasons or moments when God starts to strip some of that away and some of the identity that you've like, you know, built up in those things really hurts. Cause like that level of productivity you're talking about, like, I, I want to have that like every day, like that, that's so satisfying to me, but in many ways, it's like building my own little kingdom instead of like mm-hmm. being intentional about, all right, Lord, like, where do you want me to be invested right now and being intentional and being focused on that? So I, I appreciate you pointing us in that direction. One of the funny things to me about productivity is that the whole point of, of doing more in a shorter, peri- shorter period of time is so that, so that you can do more in a shorter period of time. <laughs> it's a terrible game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though I have some friends yeah. and some people within Team Pact who would say that they love that, but um, they are recovering uh, workaholics. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another, I think, valuable uh, thought to chase of what you brought up is what you decide to give time to, and in, in, in developing is often the harder decision, whether that's developing yourself or developing other people. And I've learned in my leadership at, at church more than anything, but this is very much ingrained in Teen Pact in a great way, is that instead of just executing, um, it's incredibly valuable to take the time to train the next person how to do it. Like as a, one of the things we do at, at church is all of our vocalists meet together once every six weeks to decide on the 12 songs that we're going to play for the next quarter, as well as uh, um, schedule some of those out. So we, we only sing 12 songs a quarter at my church, which I know is going to be like way few for anyone <laughs> that thinks about that listening. Um, but that's strategic. Talk about it later. Um, but I found it super valuable to bring all of our vocalists into that conversation to talk about building set lists and to talk about uh, why we're choosing this song, this song, how these different songs represent different aspects of, of what we want to sing about to remember God's character and um, what we're celebrating and how we're responding. And then our worship leaders, as in our vocalists, all get it better when they show up to sing and to lead. There's more investment. It would be a lot easier if I just did all of that now, now, granted, it wouldn't be as rewarding and fun. It's also, it is fun to plan with everyone. But um, definitely it's more efficient if we're to talk productivity for me just to do that. But it's very valuable, I think, both to the development of our leaders and for our church to have multiple voices in that. And then the long-term vision is that each one of these vocalists would be able to plan and, and eventually it's other elements of training like lead a band and maybe be sent out with another team planting a church. There's like a long-term uh, strategy for development there. I see the same thing in Teen Pact. It's not the easiest thing to bring someone along when you're doing a task, someone quote, like under you, someone that you're raising up um, 
but it is the return on investment there is actually way higher than if you had just executed it yourself. But it takes more emotional stamina sometimes to do it with someone else, especially for um, those of us that that run out of that sometimes. I know that I did in, in Teen Pact. Um, uh, and development is just a harder choice, but a better choice. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. I somebody that came to mind as we were talking about kind of developing your gift and and passing it along is uh my sister-in-law, uh Sarah. She's married to my brother Daniel, who I think you know. And uh and Sarah's an author and a an artist. And so what she's discovered is is prioritizing time where her kiddos can be watched by somebody else for a certain time during the week where she can get time away to be working on that thing, to be writing something or to be, mm-hmm. um, to be drawing and to be co- coloring kind of some of these, uh, incredible works that she's been doing, but it would be, I guess, easy to kind of just assume that, you know, if you're, you know, a young mom stay at home or if you're, you know, uh, you know, kind of middle-aged or older, uh, person who's kind of slotted into a particular career already. And you're just kind of plodding along. Like, I'm just thinking of different people that could be listening right now that might be in like a totally different season than you and me, where we're like, you know, the world is our oyster. Like we could do anything, like let's grow our gift. Um, and realizing that some of this starts pretty small. Like some of this starts with just kind of prayerful discernment, like getting, getting the wisdom of people in your life to identify where are those gifts and where can I be invested in that area or where can I take the gift that I've been cultivating my entire life and career and start to look toward others. Cause I think what you're describing in that last comment is, Hey, it's not just about me, you know, maximizing my productivity. It's about this multiplication effect. Mm-hmm. And if we're actually going to make that happen in whatever work I'm doing, I need to be a part of the next person doing it so that generations later, you know, and like in team pact, like, you know, you know, when you're, when you're two years, three years removed from serving in a team pact, uh, leadership role, like people will refer to like the grandfather and great grandfather, you know, within like our internship or something like that. And, and yeah, and every year is a generation. And so you're like four years removed and you're like, at that point, like you're a 95 year old, you know, it's like, what, like, how is that? But like in many ways, Uh, that's that's the unique thing about team pack that, that I really appreciate is the development element there. Well, and, and, and that's exactly what, what we like, it's, it's totally built to do is like, we, it would be probably more effective in some ways to run our programs with the same program director year after year after year. But like the whole model is built on train up the next person and then you move on and train up the next person and you move on. But like when it comes to our giftings, like that we don't want to move on. We want, we want to kind of hold on. Like we, we like being, maybe the center of attention or people like really praising us for the work that we're doing, but like how much more if we attach that good work, whether it's explicitly spiritual or whether it's just the good flourishing work that God made us to do in this world, what, like if we can actually apply that in such a way where we're equipping somebody else, we're empowering to tie into the word that you used er earlier, that we're empowering other leaders to go and do that thing. So whether it's 
you know, engineering or electrician work or writing or making music or whatever, it's not just for you and it's not just for you to produce for other people, but it's actually to, to be a part of the multiplication. So I, I just think that there's a ton there to, yeah. to discover whether you're somebody who's type A and, you know, needs to say no to a few things so that you can say yes to the right things or whether you're kind of more of a type B person where maybe there's some things you need to start saying yes to to enable mm -hmm. that kind of growth and, and work with other people to do that too. Yeah, I know I keep, I keep pushing it towards developing other people. Um, I think a huge element that's required for all of the, of this, uh, is humility and understanding that you're a small piece of a bigger picture and that the greatest good that you can bring is not within <laughs> it is to other people and it is building the kingdom of God. And, and we do that by developing other people, uh, coming back to the national convention conversation, most years you and I talk, or at least I talk maybe, maybe with Serena, but we're like, yeah, this might be the year that I step away because there are other leaders that are, are there and good to go. And um, every year it's like, it, is it best for everyone as a whole for me to return and be in that leadership role? Or is it, it time for someone else to do it? Um, and that's a, that's not a obvious yes or no. It's just that situationally what is different every year. But um, I wish I remembered who said this, but if you train your replacements, uh, if you focus on training your replacements and you do it well, uh, you will never be replaced. <laughs> and maybe that that's a little too much of an ultimatum. Um, but at one point there was a bit of a fear that I had that if I trained someone else to do something, they would be better at it than me. And then I would be obsolete and, uh, it's anecdotal, but that hasn't happened to me yet. And, um, as I keep developing, I don't really think that it will happen. Um, as we multiply ourselves and, uh, develop and train other people and in invest in our own gift, um, that brings value to any team. And, uh, um, even if there's some insecurity and they're going to be better than me, like we have to be humble and yeah, maybe they are, but also that's as a developer, that's a unique value you bring to a team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hunter, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think, you know, it's, it's especially cool to see you applying what we're talking about in personal life and ministry and in the IT world, like it, it's all encompassing. This is not something mm -hmm. that you've compartmentalized right. and said, you know, related to music, this is how I view this. You know, this is a, this is an all encompassing thing. It's, it's, you know, you being, you know, one of the kingdom and you looking to respond to the Lord and how he's created you and uh, cultivating that and passing that along. And so um, I think that's a huge encouragement to everybody who's listening. And so uh, if you're listening and, and would like to comment, um, please feel free to, to pass along some notes on this and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll connect you to Hunter if you have other thoughts. So Hunter, um, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, man. It's been great. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Pact podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampact.com or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.